Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. When I was in high school, one of my English teachers would always quote the words of the poet Carl Sandburg to me. He would say, the past is a bucket of ashes. And he was wrong. All you have to do is look around to see how wrong he was. We live in the remnants and the wreckage of former ages. We're surrounded by the past. We build upon former things layer by layer. We even see it in our own calendar today. Why is December the 12th month? I mean, doesn't Deca mean 10? It does. Once again, this is a blast from the past. The original Roman calendar only had 10 months with an unspecified winter period. According to legend, one of their kings, the pious Numa, developed the 12-month calendar. Before Numa's reform, the year started in March. But with Numa's revisions, the year started in January. And this month was named for the pagan god Janus, the two-faced god. And even though Numa was a pagan, he is worth learning from. And so, as we begin the month of January, let us be like Janus. Let us look both to the ancient past and to the glorious future which God has prepared for those who love him. Today we celebrate the fact that Jesus, promised of old, makes all things new. Today we'll talk about the new peace he brings, we'll talk about the new beginning that he brings, and we talk about the new name that he gives. Jesus makes new peace with us. The babe Jesus, even here at the dawn of his life, is being our peace. He makes peace between man and God. Through him, our Heavenly Father reconciles the world to himself. It all starts right here at the circumcision. Christ forges this new peace by the hammer of his active obedience and by the anvil of his passive obedience. Christ's active obedience here is that he fulfills all righteousness for our sake. He who is the Lord of the law humbles himself and becomes a subject under the law. To Abraham, thousands and thousands of years before, well, 1,800 years before, God said, This is my covenant that you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male child among you shall be circumcised, and you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. By being circumcised, Christ keeps the covenant perfectly for our sakes. As St. Paul says in Romans 2, For circumcision is indeed profitable if you keep the law. But if you are a breaker of the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. For Christ, who kept the law perfectly, circumcision was indeed profitable. Not for him, but for us and for our salvation. But the act of obedience is only part of this. Here, Christ at the circumcision undergoes his passive obedience. He suffers. His body is cut. His blood is spilled. Here he paid the first drop of blood 
as the price for our souls. He, made, he, begun, he began to make the full payment which would be completed on the cross. By his active and his passive obedience, the infant Christ has already begun to forge a new peace. Through his work and his suffering, we now have peace with God. We also have peace with one another. Because in his body, his very human body, that we celebrated at, the, at Christmas with his birth, his incarnation, we see that Christ breaks down in this very human body every enmity and every hostility, and he makes what was divided one. It's a wonderful thing that Christ's circumcision and naming occurs on January 1st. The high schoolers and I were reading about Numa in January and the reason for this change in the calendar. Numa sought to give the Romans, a harsh and martial people, a love of peace and the arts. And so he designed the temple of Janus with two gates. These gates would stand open during times of war, but these gates would be shut in times of peace. If you know anything about Roman history, you you would know that these gates were open almost all the time. But Numa, for as laudable as he was, could not comprehend or even imagine the Pax Christi, the peace of Christ. For here at his temple, these doors stand wide open. They are doors not for war, but for a universal and everlasting spiritual peace. This is the peace that we heard about during Christmas time, which the angels announced from heaven at our Savior's birth. This is the peace which Jesus promised during his farewell address to his disciples, when he said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. This is good for us to remember. No doubt we should seek earthly peace and try to live with one another in peace as much as it is up to us. But Christ reminds us today, the beginning of this new year, that his new peace shall never ever be broken, it shall never ever grow old, and it shall never, ever be forgotten. You have peace. It is yours forever and ever, and it shall never be taken away from you. Second, Jesus makes us a new beginning. The birth of Christ was a new beginning. This birth was so epic-shaking that we date all of our time by it. B.C., which means before Christ and Anno Domini, in the year of our Lord. Christ's birth is the fixed point in history by which we measure all other time. His entry into the world meant that the law and the prophets would soon be done prophesying. The old wine sins of the Sinaitic Covenant would soon burst with the new wine of the New Testament. The glory of Moses' face fades and is extinguished compared to the glory of the eternal Son of God, full of grace and truth. The temple, made with hands, as glorious as it was, becomes merely another location, as the temple made without hands, Christ's holy body, 
becomes the exclusive point of worship, of spirit, and truth. The shadows of the old covenant flee while the substance takes its rightful place. A new beginning. We look back on the year. And there are things that we are proud of. There's probably a lot that we're ashamed of. We might think that we're stuck. That we're stuck in a monotonous, day-to-day grind which makes everything gray and tasteless. We may feel that we can't move beyond what we have been. We feel regret for the past. We feel regret for the projects that have been left unfinished, for the choices that we have not made, and we also feel regret for the roads less traveled. And above all, we see death approaching, and our lives do hit that crisis point. I have not done what I should. I have not been what I wanted to be. It's all vanity and dust, a bucket of ashes. And then we hear the voice of Christ through St. Paul. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Today is not just the beginning of a new calendar year. Today is not simply a looking back at the history-rending fact of Christ's birth. Today is a reminder. You need not remember your sins, the sins of your youth, because God doesn't. You need not be defeated by bad, sinful, and destructive habits like drunkenness, fornication, cursing, or slander. You can change. Christ can and he does make you a new creation. Maybe you can't teach an old dog new tricks. So what does Christ do? He makes the old mutt a puppy again. He does this with you. Not just today, but each and every day. Each and every day is a new beginning as you die to sin through contrition and repentance and a new man rises again to live before God in righteousness and purity forever. These words are faithful and they are true because God is not a liar. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, a new beginning, a new life, a new mind, new emotions, new strength, new powers. All of it is offered to you through Christ, who makes you new through his blood and righteousness. Finally, Jesus gives us a new name. At this point, Jesus' name was pretty old, about 1,400 years old. But Jesus' name was once new, too. Jesus is the Greek form of the name Joshua. And the first time we hear of the name Joshua is when Moses gives that name to his young assistant. Originally, Joshua's name was Hosea. And Hosea is a good name. It means salvation. But Moses changed Hosea's name to Joshua when he sends him and the others out to spy out the land. Joshua and Jesus mean the same thing. The Lord is salvation. I mean, the Bible here is full of so many wonders. At the beginning of what was to be the conquest, Moses renamed Hosea as Joshua. He who was to be the commander of armies and the leader of God's people. 
And at the beginning of Jesus' life, he is given the name which will define his mission. Jesus, too, leads the conquest of Canaan and indeed of the entire world. He doesn't go out to spy out the land. He doesn't come with trumpets or swords or armies. He comes alone to tread the wide grass. There was no one to help, and so his right arm has gained salvation. He conquers and he kindles a fire upon the earth. He makes the strongholds of darkness fall, never to rise again. He makes the sun, the gospel itself, never set, but that it might stay in the heavens and that it might flash forth its beams into all of the earth to the very uttermost parts of the earth. And all evil, everything that is harem, devoted to destruction, is put to death and burned. And we are plundered from the cities of God's enemies. The conquest is a historical fact, but it's also a type of Christ's victory over sin, death, and the devil. Satan's power is broken. The heavenly Canaan, a land of eternal milk and honey, now belongs to us. And we enjoy the spoils of war, even though we did not participate in that wondrous conflict. And like Joshua, we too receive a new name. And this name is Christian. We're called by Christ. We are his possessions. He is our Lord. He owns us, and we in turn own his gracious rule. And he makes us a promise in the book of Revelation. He says, To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat. And I will give him a white stone. And on the stone a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. We receive this name in baptism. And we are baptized into the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Because we have this new name, we are members of God's family by grace. We have new peace, we have a new beginning, and we have a new name. No doubt, we ought not to forget the past, because the past is not a bucket of ashes. Rather, let us not be tied to the past. Let us not be shackled by the past. Rather, let us look back to the great and marvelous deeds of the Lord who has spoken and kept his word. And also let us look forward, as St. Paul says, reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.